I feel the need. The need for a podcast exploring the films and career of Tom Cruise. Well, welcome to Cruise Views. <laughs> the microphone couldn't handle it. It was cutting in and out the whole time. It was just like gating you. Like, no, 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 no. It might be Hello and welcome to Cruise Views the podcast trying to find out how Tom Cruise became our last proper movie star by watching every film he's been in, in chronological order. You join us as we have reached 2007, and the film that Tom Cruise released in 2007, Lions for Lambs. I'm Adam Scott Glasspool, and I'm joined, as always, by my very own meandering and pointless entity. It's Tom Ashford. Hi. Hi, Tom. Tom, let's talk about... Anything else? Right. Um, <laughs> you, so we've uh, seen a couple of movies uh, that that mirror that match, uh, not in 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 the not too distant past. Uh, one of which I will very briefly mention is uh, Moonfall, a film that I would describe as terrible, and yet I had a fun time. No, bollocks. Yeah, you hated it. I had a bad time. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even have a fun time. And yeah, I think we gave I it just, very similar scores. Oh. Yeah, we did. I did not have a fun time with that movie. I've never seen so much bollocks in my life. Uh, It was just like depressingly kind of like... I like stupid movies, right? And I like movies that know that they're stupid and have some fun with it, right? I've never encountered a movie that was so, like, proud of how shit it was. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like the, constantly the screen is just begging you to go like, I dare you to call me shit because I know I'm shit. And I just had a bad time with it, Tom. I'm sorry if you were expecting like a fun discussion about Moonfall. No, I wasn't. You can get fucked. No. You can it, get fucked. It, ever since the trailer came out, I've been wound up by the line, it's a gravity wave to describe a <sighs> wave caused by gravity. Yeah, which is yeah, every wave ever made or... No right, waves. It's a gravity, a gravity wave <laughs> is a fluctuation in space-time caused by the large mass of a big solar body. It's not. It's not just the moon God. moving water and creating the sensation of waves. <laughs> it's a gravity wave. Well, that is what waves are. Anyway, yeah. look, the, the is that the movie that you teed up in the, the last absolutely episode? Absolutely not, because the movie right, that okay. I think we. Hang on, hang on, hang on, because I want to guess. I want to guess. Sure. Because you, you teed it up as being something to do with the different way in 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 in, in the way that we watch movies. Yes. Which is like you kind of... Uh, that, that, that dichotomy we brought up before about knowing when a movie is good or suspecting that a movie is that quote-unquote good and the difference between that and enjoying a movie. And I think you're going to talk about David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. Crimes of the Future. Okay. <laughs> I can't say it. I can't say Crimes of the Future because it's such a stupid title. It sounds like the sort of it sounds like the song title that me and Chris Morris of two weeks ago yeah. would have would have come up with our joke band. Crimes I'm, of the Future. I mean it's it's a bit boosh. But it's his uh, it, it's his second movie titled Crimes of the Future, yeah. I think. There was because like it's too one. good a title to let yeah, to go away. You, you can't let that go. <laughs> so uh we gave it very close scores, I think. I think I gave it four and you gave yeah. it three and a half. But I'm assuming you yeah. enjoyed it less than I did. Yes. Okay. See, I, 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 I think so. I did enjoy it. Um but I was sitting there kind of thinking this is really interesting and mm. i love the concepts and i'm enjoying everything i'm seeing on the screen yeah but but where's really the core no full stop. story no full i know stop. i know but and it's and i'm not saying it's worse for that but my experience is just that the way i watch films i'm kind of just going yeah but where's this leading where's this leading and it kind of doesn't lead anywhere no it doesn't no absolutely i mean it, not. it has it has little tiny like nuggets of of hints mm. of where it's 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 leading and gives you like room for interpretation, which is good, but then it just ends. It just and ends. Obviously, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but it, there's it. The film does feel as if it just ends, and it's just like yeah. Everyone I, in the cinema. It was not a crowded screening. Going to be honest, there was four people. Yeah, one person I'm pretty same. sure was asleep because I heard snoring. <laughs> Which really pissed me off. I was like, it's if you're going to fall asleep in a cinema, be a silent sleeper. It's not a fast-paced movie, is it? 
No. <laughs> no, it's no not. And, it, and it ended, and I was just sort of like, everyone sat there for a bit in silence. Yeah. And then. Yes, I had that exact experience. Got up and left. Because usually, like, people, there's kind of. Um, that I only have that experience where, like, you, you, usually the credits start rolling and people just immediately get up and leave. Um, unless yeah. it's a Marvel movie. Because people know Obviously. that there's a, a, a mid-credits and an end-credits sequence. Which did make me think, is Crimes of the Future going to have a mid-credit and end-credit <laughs> sequence to set up the, the, the rest of the franchise? But no. But yeah, I, there was a mood in the cinema. We sat there. The movie ended. Directed by David Cronenberg came up on the screen. And everyone just remained still and staring yeah. at the screen digesting what had happened to them in the last like two hours i haven't Good had that choice in ages. Of word there yeah digesting, digesting. what they've yes. seen see see what i've done but yeah that yeah. was um that hasn't happened to me in ages that was very interesting um and i think that movie i think it totally earns that as well but the reason i didn't give it a slightly higher score is because i think it has too much plot tom <laughs> right the kind of tacked on uh, and, and okay, so some spoilers for Crimes of the Future here. Do a little skip of like thirty seconds or a minute if you haven't seen it yet. The tacked-on conspiracy undercover stuff, yes, didn't feel warranted, and we won't say any more about it. I think we both probably no. agree on that, and we're agreed back into spoiler-free territory. I was. Um, did you go and see it? Like, I can't see you, and I only say this because I very rarely do as well like rushing out to go and see a David Cronenberg film, right? Right. See, I've, I've actually, to my surprise, I had a little look before I went to saw this one, have only seen, including Crimes of the Future, two David Cronenberg films. Is the other and one the, other one the one fly? I've seen, no, Ooh. it's not the one you think it is. Well, I know it's not Crash because we've talked about that. Yeah. Um, uh, it's probably not Videodrome. Nope. It's probably one of the other Vigo Mortensen ones, either Eastern Promises or History of Violence. Which one do you think it is? It's probably History of Violence. It is. Yes, I thought it might be. I believe upon recommendation from a close friend of both of ours, James Quinn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a very Quinn movie. Yeah, and I actually think yeah. Crimes of the Future is a very Quinn movie, but I think, I don't know, some of it might wind him up because of the dialogue it's that's in it is quite on the nose, isn't it? But... yeah. So I know well, what attracted you to this because I, I I was just thinking the thing the thing that attracted me to this and I was like oh I've got to go out and see this while it's in the cinema is the sort of the buzz around it from the film festivals that it had it had been shown at had were you in I touch had, with any of that stuff I don't think I was I think I saw a picture just like a screenshot yeah um, of the man the performance artist with lots of ears on him Mm. Which isn't a spoiler because they, it's very prominent in trailers yeah, 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 yeah. and promotional materials. Um, and, and you I were like, oh, thought, this has piqued my interest. Yeah, I thought this yeah. looks fucking mental. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it came out in festivals and then it came out in the States. And then we've had to wait like, what, one, two months? Yeah, it's weird. Because well, it's, it's a little art film. So that, that, that's yeah. been a much more sort of delayed and, and, process. And because it's a little art film, it's one of those ones where you see that it has a release date in the US and then you assume that it's just not being shown in the, in yeah. your local cinema yeah, exactly. because you're looking for you know screenings and it's not there and so i thought i just missed it i thought oh i just i couldn't see it and then yeah. suddenly it was coming out in cineworld just like 20 yeah, minutes walk down the street bizarre. and i was like i was seeing it 2 days after it comes out bizarre that i saw this cineworld because this is usually th- i mean i usually have to go to the fucking picture house just to see the new wes anderson film let alone like you know, Wes Anderson's a pretty populist director in yeah. some ways when compared to fucking David Cronenberg. The thing that really piqued my interest was the, the reports from the festivals of people walking out in the first 20 right. minutes and saying this is David Cronenberg's return to body horror and the first 20 minutes and some of the other content being a bit rough, people starting to feel a bit sick and having to leave the cinema. Um, wasn't as rough as I thought it was going to be, to no, be honest. The, every- my reaction from basically this year's film festival circuit is like the film industry is so up its own ass, <laughs> which is not exactly a surprise, but like people walking out because of like a film that is to be blunt, not shocking in the slightest. 
It's not. Um, 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 not um, really. Um, 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 I mean, maybe um, one um, sequence which um, I won't describe, but like, it's not. I think the, the opening worse. sequence, although not gory, is quite shocking. Um, and I yeah, think yeah. I think that the gore is is can, would probably be quite shocking if you're not used to seeing that. But it does kind of just look like surgery videos. Yeah. Uh, it's not like a horror movie in that way. And then, very very slight spoilers. All of the stuff that is like people being sexually aroused by cutting themselves does make me feel yeah. weird. It's it's an uncomfortable psychological kind of discomfort, and it did make me feel a little bit on the borderlines of queasy, but not not totally. Like I I never came close to walking out. Yeah, I mean maybe I've just got I'm I'm desensitized to that yeah, from all just the crimes an that I've committed. Maniac. You see um, worse stuff in your dreams. <laughs> yeah, I see people cutting themselves and gaining pleasure from like and yeah Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but no I, I mean i found it interesting i thought it was an interesting you know concept and all that but like it's not exact i i just didn't find it i thought the film was novel i didn't find yeah. anything shocking in the film novel. yeah yeah um but the other thing with the whole festival circuit is just the the stuff that's come out recently about things like don't worry darling which is meant to be like oh, an absolute middle of the road film that i was really looking forward to no but or forget all the like gossip shite that's isn't it supposed that. to but be kind of bad it's really in the middle it's like 50 50 literally 50 percent right. sort of score or whatever sure. but like the fact that it got like a 10 minute standing ovation or something and then the yeah. whale came out and then people were giving a six minute standing ovation and even the people who've actually made the film look embarrassed for it because they're just like let me go out of the room please and they're all like brendan fraser i fucking love you and it's like yeah he's probably really good in it but does he, he doesn't want a six minute standing ovation you can see it in his i face. think he does he's just he's just being modest he's just embarrassed i you know that's fine th- those those standing ovation things have always been uh the case for like can and stuff like that right but the thing the, the issue i have with that is that and it's not an actual it's not a criticism of the people who've made the film right mm. it's it's the industry itself will stand there and just applaud essentially applaud itself because like yeah, you don't stand up and of. applaud something for 10 minutes and applause doesn't go on for 10 minutes unless it's artificial yeah that's true that's true yeah there is something artificial like a, about it isn't there if someone made like you know let's say the godfather comes out and people stand up at the end of that mm. and they clap for a minute that's a realistic drawn out applause where you're like fuck me yeah. everyone's really impressed with this you go longer than that it's made up what i did like is that it resulted in this tweet from someone we follow on the cruise views uh podcast which is breaking news tom cruise's mission impossible fallout just received a 35 minute standing ovation from me in my bedroom after viewing it for the 100th time <laughs> Yeah. So that's very funny. So at least it's resulted in that. That's at Rogue's Hunt, by the way. So uh yeah, shout out to them if they listen. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. I got no idea. Um you you having that reaction to Crimes of the Future makes me think you should watch Crash. I think that should be on your I docket. think I should watch all of Cronenberg's films. He's an interesting I think, director, yeah, for sure. I think it would be my weird vibe. When I was, uh, just to talk about other movies we've seen, because I do not want to talk about Lights for Labs very much. Uh, I had an excellent time when I went to Scotland recently and discovered that they had a VHS player and loads of VHS tapes, right? So I watched The Evil Dead on VHS, which is absolutely the way you should watch The Evil Dead. But it was also, it was the Palace Pictures cut. So a lot of the gore had been like cut out. And it was really interesting. I'd never seen that version before. And then I watched another thing that I'd never seen all the way through before. On VHS, I watched the original theatrical cut of Blade Runner with the voiceover in it and the happy ending and all of that stuff. Really interesting. Was surprised by how so many people go like, oh, the original cut of Blade Runner is like rubbish. You know, you need to watch the director's cut or the the final cut, which tidies up all of this stuff. Oh, you don't like the version with the voiceover on it, do you? Oh, it's stupid. You don't even know that Deckard Deckard might be a replicant or whatever. You know, oh, there's no unicorns in that one. I was actually surprised to find out. 
doesn't hurt the movie as much as you think it's going to. It doesn't change yeah. what is really special and impressive about the movie Blade Runner. Like, all of the incredible set work is still there. The performance by Harrison Ford is still great. All of the interesting themes are still there with one glaring omission. I thought it was really good. Not as good as Director's Cut. But, good movie. And it was fun watching it on VHS with, like, tracking issues and just, like, shit yeah. quality. It was good. It it's just, it, yeah, it it's stuff good. like that and Alien that really lean into, like futuristic sci-fi using technology that gets out of date very quickly yes yeah, yeah yeah so it really it really would work well on a vhs watching it with like the yeah the crack, crackly visuals and like the warping lines on given that every bit of technology in both of those films is just like that like yeah. cathode ray quality visuals <laughs> exactly like, it was lovely okay. they, they they like they hadn't worked out like that their future team or whatever hadn't worked out that we would have smartphones and they thought we'd still yeah. have like physical copies of photos and stuff. It's really interesting to see all like the eighties technology that they thought would make it through to the twenty twenties. I mean, I love that in just like an alien that they have like there's a good explanation is that Wayland Yutani skimps to such a degree that they have like nineteen seventies computers right. yes. on their ships. And it works fine because they've got a supercomputer <laughs> hidden somewhere. But like they're just like, we're not even giving you like an LED screen, mate. Mad. Yeah, it's insane. Absolute shit. <laughs> How do you feel given that you like Blade Runner? I do like Blade Runner. I presume I presume you like Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I thought it was great. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about Blade Runner twenty ninety nine, the series that got confirmed today? I don't know what that is. What do you mean it got confirmed today? Well, it had been floating for a while, and literally right. Ridley Scott and I'm Googling this, and I? the and the writer from twenty fourteen. Did you, did you say Wrigley Scott? He is Wrigley Scott. Wrigley <laughs> Scott. Twenty ninety nine. Let's go yeah. Google that. Amazon announces live action series, so it's not animation. No, there was an animation. I think it's Black Lotus or something. Um, but this is actually, you know, like. Full on canon, deadline, canon. Deadline. There's a picture action. of Harrison Ford. I doubt he's in it. He's not going to be. I mean, that really would answer the question, wouldn't it? Well, is Deckard a replicant? Do, if he's alive yeah. in 2099 and the first one's 2019 and he's already like. <laughs> uh, unless he got okay. a very big lump sum paid out by uh, the replicant company or whatever it is. I mean, what's happening? Like, what? what is it about? Who's going to be doing it? Look, I'm cautiously optimistic, I suppose, because 2049 was really good. It's what, like one of my favourite movies of all time. And like the writer is the guy writing it or Hampton Fancher or something. I, I couldn't. I can't remember. I just. I just read that both uh, Wrigley Scott and uh, and the writer of 2049 are involved. Okay. Well, and they're, okay. they're very much like we know how treasured these two are. We've got to do as good a job. So, okay. Cautious, cautiously optimistic. I mean, a lot of the success of the second one probably had to do with Denis Villeneuve, I think, who is a yes. pretty incredible director. Um, okay, so... <laughs> Lions for Lambs, then. Do you want to yeah. take us... <laughs> yeah. Do you want to take us through the details, yeah. then? Go on. Well, Adam, th- there is one exciting thing here. Tom Cruise is, is in the, it. The, it's not that. Mm. Uh, the wide release, both in the US and the UK, was the same day, 9th of November 20, 2007. That's that's crazy. Oh, that's that's yeah. crazy, Tom. That's crazy. That's the best bit yeah. of this film. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you know, who directed it? Yes, it was Robert Redford. How much do you know best about Robert Redford? Uh, well, he's best known for his appearance in Captain America: The I Winter Soldier. Fucking new. And the reprise yeah, of said I role thought you could in say his Endgame. Avengers Endgame. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I thought you were going to say. Um, okay, well, he, I mean, he's most famous as an actor, I suppose. Yeah, bit bit parts like playing, you know, no, the head of Shield and Avengers Endgame. Not, absolutely not. What uh, I mean, his place in. The Winter Soldier, which incidentally is one of my favourite MCU movies. I think that movie is absolutely excellent because it plays on the 70s political thrillers that Robert Redford maybe would have made, right? Like All the President's Men and Three Days of the Condor and stuff like that. And of course, he was in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. He was in Barefoot in the Park. 
He was in The Sting. He was in an adaptation of The Great Gatsby. He was in Out of Africa. You know, he's been in so many legendary movies. Um, but that 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 period of Three Days of the Condor, which I really like, and All the President's Men, which is one of my favourite movies of all time, that's, those kind of paranoid 70s thrillers, is exactly what I thought we were getting from Lions for Lambs. When I saw it was a political thriller directed by and starring Robert Redford, I was like, okay, we are absolutely in my wheelhouse here. You know, paranoid yeah, I mean, 70s thriller kind of thing. Did not realise it only takes place in like two rooms. Uh, I mean, I, yeah. I haven't I haven't seen many Robert Redford films, I don't think. Butch Cassidy uh, and Sundance I, Kid, though, obviously. obviously I have film. seen that vaguely in the past at some point you've seen it vaguely in the past do you think he wears a wig Um, i'm just looking at pictures of him he might but adam (laughs) i i haven't seen three days of the condor but i have met the guy who wrote the book six days of the condor which inexplicably was halved (laughs) he doesn't know why nobody knows why so it is based on the book six days of the condor yes yeah and then they just went hmm Look, the you've only be called three days of the you've only got so much time in a film, you know. You can't do yeah. six whole days. No, no film has ever spanned the length of time six days ever. It's well, not even not even the ring. No, three days or less. That's the rule. The rule of movies. They all take place within. So when three they say days. they say seven day seven days, and you know Samara's all like seven days over the phone. They then have to cut out four of those days in order yeah. to fit it in the film yeah, yeah. otherwise it always simply it jumps forwards simply wouldn't have fit yeah, yeah exactly yeah i mean he's a legend um he's not bad in this uh and if he didn't direct it and have like oversight of the script i'd have said that he just wasn't being given enough to do robert redford but He's the one he gave giving himself, himself, himself stuff to do. <laughs> so, he could have done the whole film as a one-man thing if he'd wanted. So it is kind of on him. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's nice to see Robert Redford, I suppose. It's always nice to see him. I quite liked him in All Is Lost. Is that a movie, is that a movie you've seen? No. Uh, I've seen him in Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Yes, I know you fucking have, mate. I know <laughs> but I genuinely have. don't know what other films I've seen him in. It's awful. All is lost is worth a watch. You can borrow my DVD if you want. Um, he plays a guy oh, that... Uh, <laughs> he plays a guy on a boat. Dismiss it. This is <laughs> my, my experience. <laughs> my experience may well be, at least my conscious experience, may well be limited to Lions <gasps> for Lambs and Captain America. Absolutely dismissed. Just that, nah, you're <laughs> all right. He plays a guy that's stuck on a boat um, And that's it I don't think he talks in the whole movie uh, It's great, it's just him on a boat It's a really interesting movie um, Yeah, Robert Redford Look, yeah. uh, unfortunately I think I'd be really up for talking more about Robert Redford If we were talking about any other Robert Redford movie um, Yeah, I can feel that he's a good actor in it Oh, but he's an incredible actor, and it's no doubt why yeah. Tom Cruise wanted to do this and, you know, produce it and work with Robert Redford. One of the more demented aspects of this film is that it feels like another little tick box of Tom Cruise wanting to work with a legendary actor, and he has no scenes with Robert Redford at all. Yeah. Uh, which was, but which to was... be fair, Robert Redford would have been in every single scene Oh, the the, the promotional the the photo camera. for this movie that features yeah. Tom Cruise, Meryl Streep, and Robert Redford is not in the movie. It's just no. it's a picture of Robert Redford directing uh, yeah. Tom Cruise and Meryl Streep, which, which but, really throws you off when you're about to rent the film. It, the other thing that really throws you off is that he seems to be wearing the same clothes as his character in the movie, uh, which yeah. implies to me that Robert Redford just turned up to set in what he was dressed, and that was it. That was they just well, started there's, shooting. There's two possibilities: either that. <laughs> Or it's just a Photoshop job. Right. <laughs> and someone just had to get him leaning on a desk in the university and they just Photoshopped him onto Tom Cruise's desk. It could be that. It could like, be that. That's the level of quality we're talking about with this film. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's not, look, I don't, I don't, it's not a poorly made film. It just. It's um, not the worst film we've covered. No. But it almost is. Well, no, I don't think it is, though. I don't think it's the worst film we've covered. My big take on it is that it barely qualifies as a film. 
Right. I think it's it's like it just about meets the minimum requirements of being a film. Like you know when you have you know when you get a PC game and it has system requirements, and if you're at like right, the yeah. very bottom of them, you can feel it like chugging and the frame rate goes down and there's like popping and stuff like that. That's this film. There's loads of like chugging and you're like you can see how the film's not quite working because it's just at the really bare basic minimum requirements of being a film. See, I I compared this film to two other Tom Cruise movies to which I gave the same score. Um, which would be to to you know show my hand early, gold member or endless love. <laughs> I think this is better than gold member in my That's opinion. In my I think opinion. it's I think it's better than I think it's better than gold member. I I think I think that the acting is considerably better on all counts than oh, yeah. endless love. Yeah, yeah. But I care less about what's happening. Yeah, that's which is a saying real something given it's endless movie. love. That is a real problem with the movie, is that, like... I mean, we'll get into the movie. That's who directed it. It's Robert Redford. Yeah. Well, the writer was Matthew Michael Carnahan. Yeah. Um, who has actually written some films that I recognise. Oh, yeah. Like The Kingdom, World War Z, uh, Deepwater Horizon, 21 Bridges, Dark Waters. Dark Waters is quite good. Dark Waters, the, the Ben Affleck, Anna Diamas. No, 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 no. Uh, oh, maybe. I it think actually, it is. Sure. I think it is. I think you're you're trying to say it's the, the oh. remake of the Japanese horror thing. No, 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 no. That is a different one. Dark Waters. This is the one I thought. Dark Waters is the one with Mark Ruffalo and Anne Hathaway. Right. It's a, okay. The legal thriller about um, a company that's like Water. using unregulated chemicals. Right. Okay. It's it's very similar to. Um, Aaron Brockovich. Yes, yeah. very, very similar to that. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, that does it's look a good interesting. Film. It's a good film. That does look interesting. Deep Water is what I'm thinking of. Right. The Ben Affleck. Yeah, that's, I have not seen that. Anna de Armas, erotic thriller. Um, this is apparently neither erotic or, or thrilling. thrilling. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. But no one, no one makes erotic thrillers anymore. I miss... Uh, Sticking on Channel 5 on a Friday night when I was a teenager in the hope that there might be an erotic thriller on, you know? Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll watch Somehow that. you managed to not watch Species at any point. I know. Somehow I've still not seen Species, but I've seen so many films with Pamela Anderson in them. Um, <laughs> Did you ever watch Pam and Tommy on Disney Plus? No, I've got, to avoid no, I've got no interest. Lambs? No interest in Pam and Tommy on, uh, on Disney Plus. Well, Adam, well, it if depends you're, actually. How got, much nudity is there? Uh, a fair bit. Okay, maybe I'm interested. Maybe yeah, I'm interested. And, and some of it involves um, Sebastian Stan's prosthetic penis. Well, now I'm him. very interested. <laughs> yeah. It's quite good, actually. It's not it often you good. get male nudity in a film, no. you know. So It's funny. It, it's funny and it doesn't take itself seriously. It's, it's, it is genuinely quite good. Um, there is some, obviously, issues with creating a story about Pamela Anderson about a videotape without her consent, considering that they made this series without her consent. Yeah, that's a, that's a tricky one, isn't it's it? A, it's it's yeah. a tricky one. Yeah. Um, but if if ever you've got a gun to your head, and you have to choose between Lions for Lambs or Pam and Tommy. Choose Pam and Tommy. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, I think so. Look, if someone's got a a gun to my head, saying I've got to watch Lions for Lambs, shoot me. Yeah. <laughs> pull, pull, the that point in your life. pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. Gun to my head, pull the trigger. Um, <laughs> if you were faced with an alien invasion, as in War of the Worlds yeah. or Lions for Lambs, which would get you to shoot yourself in the head quicker? Lions for Lambs. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Lions for Lambs, for Good. sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, Ma- Matthew Michael Carnahan. Uh, I think I read that this was originally intended as a play. Uh, he wrote it as a play, but then all of the bits, that the helicopter bits, the military bits of the movie pushed the scope towards a movie rather than a play you can't really do those things on stage um which is not without a good budget right yeah that this sort of thing wouldn't get (laughs) right Um, i was thinking like have you seen the lion king in theater (laughs) they could they got a lot of helicopters in the factory loads of helicopters in the lion king well i mean in charlie and chocolate factory and things like you are Lion desperate King. not to talk about Lights for yeah. Lambs. I'm now going to go well, through all the theatre that I've the seen. And many of them, of Charlie the many of them had people 
coming off the ground and floating around. I've seen Aladdin, I'm pretty sure. Have I seen Aladdin? Aladdin sure, what? I'm sure I've seen Aladdin. Aladdin what? Aladdin ancient Persia. <laughs> what? I don't know. As long as I keep making vague sounds, we I, have to talk about lines I throw them up and you swing and a miss. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think where he could be in a lad in sane. Uh, yeah, oh, that's too easy, mate. Come okay, on. I'd rather sorry. swing in a miss than just repeat David Bowie's pun from decades past. You could do, <laughs> you could do worse than mimicking David Bowie. Many artists yeah. have built whole careers <laughs> yeah. on mimicking David Bowie. Uh, oh. Yeah, he wrote it as a play, um, and then it got turned into like a movie script. Uh, and I think a lot of the film you can see how he wrote it as a play. Yes. Um, I think it would work quite well as a very small cast play. This is a very um, small cast movie. Yeah, but the issue with the movie is you kind of, especially with the way it's cut and the time you get, it it needs to hold your attention. Yeah, that's true. Well, who's... Who, if you're who's... in a theatre, you're more invested. You yeah. can do more with the actual characters and the relationships because you're actually watching people have a full-on conversation without the editing and... Well, yeah, would would just... this would this have fared better if we'd watched it in a cinema? No. Okay. So because is... on top on top of having to walk, <laughs> just dismissed again. Even, even with my Cine World card, yeah, so unlimited card, you I still, still feel like it was a waste of cinema. money. <laughs> I, it's been an hour round trip basically, and, oh, I, and yeah. I would have had to sit through trailers. Oh, yeah, your fucking hour round trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just Jesus. it was bad enough renting it for three pounds forty nine. And sitting and just for its runtime. Why did you do that? Because it was on Apple TV and I think it was in the best resolution. Oh, mate, you should have gone on Amazon. Not, you know, I don't like Amazon, but it, it was free. <laughs> was it? Yeah. If you did like a, a free seven day trial of the MGM oh. channel, you could have just watched this. And then I know, but I'm waiting the till there's something I want to watch on any of those things <laughs> okay, and then I'll do that. Okay, fair enough. Fair Which enough. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's basically me saying I'd rather spend money on something yeah. shit. <laughs> And get something good for free and spend money on something good and get something shit for free. That's a bizarre web you've tangled yourself up in there. But logically makes it works yeah, exactly look, the same. Emotionally, it so, really makes sense. It really makes sense to me emotionally. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, Shall we go over who's in it? Because that's probably the most interesting thing it's, of the film. It's got quite the fucking cast, which is also why I was so pumped for this movie. Yeah. Because I didn't know it was bad. Just to be clear, no, I, didn't I didn't know it was bad before we sat down to watch. I mean, I did in the direct lead up to watching it. Because like, also Apple TV shows you the Rotten Tomato score. And oh, for this, it. it's 27%. Right, okay. like I, That's right on its homepage. I had a it's conception like, or, or like an idea that like, well, there's a reason that I haven't seen this Tom Cruise movie before. Okay. Yeah. So as of last week, I had two Tom Cruise movies that I hadn't seen before and now we're down to one and this was you know this was one of those two um I I had an idea like oh there must be a reason as a Tom Cruise fan and to not have sort of like heard buzz about like oh you've got to see Lions for Lambs because you would expect I mean do the cast do the cast Tom yeah well obviously we've got well actually we'll start with first build Robert Redford as Professor Stephen Malley great Robert Redford. Yeah. Yeah. What what a legend. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep as Janine Roth. What an incredible legend. Meryl Streep. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like we've seen Meryl Streep in what? One million things and she's good in all yeah. of them? Yeah. Yeah. That seems about right. I mean I can't off my top of my head I can't name a film, but yes, obviously I've seen can't her. Name Unlike film. Robert Redford. She's I've the seen lots of She's the beating heart and soul of Mamma Mia, here we go again. Oh, Adam, you know how I feel about ABBA. I'm not ever watching that I don't know. film. I don't know how you feel about ABBA. I don't like ABBA. Why don't you like ABBA? I think I don't think it's very I don't think their songs are very good. Tom, are I you just th- genuinely are don't. Are you thick? <laughs> that is the response. Everyone I said that to somebody I work with and they went, What what the fuck are you on about? Yeah, what are like, you it was on about? incomprehensible. I don't get it. Like, yes, you do. You do like ABBA. I'm like, I don't I don't like ABBA. I don't I don't understand. I just don't understand. I just don't understand. I know someone that, that raved about how good their lyrics were, and they don't even 
English isn't even their fucking first language. Like, right, that's, but that's that... desperately looking for meaning where there isn't some. No, that's bollocks. You're talking absolute bollocks. No. No, you're talking no. nonsense. Their lyrics, I, I, I'm not going to say they're incredible poets and they're like the best lyrics ever, but they do get to the heart of, uh, of like an emotional sort of thing in their songs. Look, we're not here to talk about ABBA. Uh, Meryl Streep, Kramer versus Kramer, incredible movie. Uh, Sophie's Choice, incredible movie. She's in Out of Africa. Uh, good movie. Uh, she's been in obviously The Devil Wears Prada, uh, Death Becomes Her, The River Wild. She was in an episode of The Simpsons. Tom, uh, she's been. I've seen her in The Post. Yes, The Post. Uh, she's great in adaptation. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, she's an uh, an incredible actress. Uh, I really I really liked her in. Um, loads of people don't like uh, August Osage County, but I thought I thought that was a good. I thought it was a good film. I I like those. Uh, family drama sort of uh, sort of things and uh, you know she's absolutely wasted in this movie just has absolutely nothing yeah. to do bizarre well everyone is wasted in this movie yeah 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 Pretty because much. well I mean who's the next person well we've got Tom Cruise as Jasper Irving Tom Cruise is in it yeah yeah and again play a hand early but Imagine getting Tom Cruise, who in this last film just like broke the sound barrier running endlessly at incredibly high speed. Yeah. And the entire film you put him behind a fucking desk. The most exciting thing he does in the movie is pick up a phone. Yeah. <laughs> and Which, to be fair, it's exact it's exaggeration to say he, t- he sits behind a desk for the whole time because at one point he does get up and he sits on a windowsill. Also, also, you know, we have learned over the course of this podcast that it's not all about the running and the jumping explosions with Tom Cruise. And he's an incredibly sort of like adept actor, uh, very good at accessing emotions. If you think about his performances in Jerry Maguire and uh, Magnolia, the fact that that scene in Magnolia is is improvised. And you think about his uh, performances in, in Eyes Wide Shut and stuff like that. Uh, he's but what is he doing? He's not doing anything in this movie. There's no performance in this movie from Tom Cruise. He's just he's so anonymous. Um, yeah, and initially he just plays slightly smug. That that's his emotion in this is right. slightly smug, which actually I was really excited about when I realized when the movie opened and I realized that they'd casted him as a Republican senator and he was going to be doing like smug charm. I was like, oh, it's perfect for Cruz. That's an excellent use of his energy. And then as the movie goes on, the energy just sort of dissipates, and it just yeah. it just it's squandered, squandered. And it's it's really one note, like it doesn't change. There's no. Well, that's the whole movie, growth. though, right? Sure, but every character should have some sort of journey. No, I mean Meryl Streep gets a journey. Does she? Well, I mean, she goes from just wanting a story to realizing that she's kind of losing her journalistic integrity. Sure. Because of the place she works for, and then she decides to not publish a story because she thinks it's a load of bollocks and it's just propaganda. There's some journey in there. I mean, that's, it's more it. than Tom Cruise gets, which is literally he delivers exposition. Yeah, it's an unfortunate role for Tom Cruise. It's a waste. It's a wa- it's a waste of his talents. Um, Actually, his his journey is picking up a phone and then realizing that the plan he's been describing has not worked. Yeah, which is usually saved for Mission Impossible movies. But they're a bit more yeah. dynamic than Lions for Lambs. And in this film, his face, because he's a senator and he's got a journalist in his room, isn't allowed to to drop even an inch. Right. So there is no actual, there's no like, oh my God, sort of reaction. It's just like yeah. smug, smug, smug. I stopped moving my head for a second to show that I've heard something I don't like. Smug, smug, back, smug. Back to smug. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. He's just he's just not given a lot to do, I don't think. I don't think the script on this movie is very good. Um, uh, and, and those big three names though, Robert Redford, Meryl Streep, Tom Cruise, I'm like, what a fucking cast, right? Surely there yeah. must have, like, that's why I thought, oh, there's a reason I haven't seen this movie. Because with those three people that are in it, I should have heard some kind of positive buzz about it. And the fact that actually I hadn't heard anything about it at all means that it's probably just not even worth sort of talking about. And, and here we are on a podcast having to talk about it, I suppose. Andrew yeah. Garfield's in it. Yep, as is uh, Michael Pena. Yep. Is it Pena? Pena? Pena. Yeah. Yep. They're in it. So there's three people from the MCU. Yep. Yep. So far. Yeah. I think there's actually four, but I don't recognise the name of the other guy. So that's interesting. We never know about 
Meryl Streep might be oh. just around the corner, isn't it? She'll turn up. God, surely not. Surely think, not. Think, now thinking of The Post, right? Mm. Good movie, IMO. Good good movie, Spielberg, obviously. Obviously. Good movie. Um, that's the sort of film where if you put, let's say you took out Tom Hanks and you put Robert Redford in. Yeah. Good. And you put Tom Cruise somewhere. Yeah, obviously it'll probably be just as good as it is, but like yeah, that's yeah. a good movie. These yeah. three people are massively wasted in this, and you could have the same dynamic and make a really good movie out of it. Well, and yet- Steven Spielberg understands what storytelling is, um, yeah. and the thing is, it's like I, this is not the first film that Robert Redford has directed. Um, I'm pretty sure he directed some other stuff as well, um, so he should know he did, what but I didn't recognise it. He should know what he's doing, it. really. Um, he, the legend of Bagger Vance is the, uh, the Will Smith golf movie. The Horse Whisperer was a oh, big yeah. hit for Robert Redford in the nineties. Quiz Show is an interesting movie with, uh, with Ray Fiennes in it. Um, A River Runs Through It. And then of course, Ordinary People is like his big, that's his directorial debut. And it's actually a pretty incredible movie, Ordinary People. It's like, it's got Donald Sutherland in it. Um, and Mary Tyler Moore and Judd Hirsch, and it's it's a really interesting drama. He knows what he's doing, um, and the, the the problem here does seem to be the script. And Spielberg understands how to tell a story, and Robert Redford does not seem to understand how to tell a story in this. This is, I mean, we're into talking about the movie now. There's not loads to talk about. This movie is kind of just three vignettes. One of which is a student, played by Andrew Garfield, talking to his professor, played by Robert Redford, and his professor is trying to uh, tell him that apathy is not the way forward with a man of his talent studying political science as he is. Another strand, which is reporter Meryl Streep interviewing Senator Tom Cruise about a new military plan in Afghanistan. And then the third thing is the thing that ties those two bits together, which is two previous students of Robert Redford's character who signed up to the army are now on the mission that Tom Cruise's character has, uh, like, orchestrated, I guess, or or approved. uh, And they come unstuck and and ultimately end up dying on this mission that's that's the movie yeah and as much as i have made it sound like there's a story there the actual sections of the movie are just kind of political polemic where characters are basically talking at the audience and it just seems to be robert redford's opinion because like he developed this. He saw the script and was like, wow, I love this script. We need to make this into a movie. And anybody who, like, with fucking a brain between their ears knows that this isn't a movie. <laughs> like, it's just it's just a political essay um, with people uh, talking to one another. It's just... Uh, and that's... Honestly, right? That's all I have to say about the movie? Uh, as disappointing yeah. as that is, I can't go beat, on, beat by beat on something no. that is like just people talking to the audience, basically, um, with really on the nose dialogue, um, and it and it cuts between each group quite quickly. Yeah. So also, like, it's not like you ever stick with one thing for long enough to really get some sense of what the film is trying to say, like the sp- the specifics of what it's trying to say. It's ultimately so you- just kind of saying that apathy is not the way forward and that, um, I mean... It's, it's, yeah, but it doesn't really tell that very well, though, does it? No, the thing that it's most on the nose about is uh, Lions for Lambs, is, is the title, right? Is uh, yeah. lambs being uh, lions being sent to war by lambs is, is the whole idea yeah. then, and, and the imbalance of power there. Um, but... It's not the only movie that's made that point, and it's not the only movie I've seen that makes that point. And this is probably the least interesting movie that I've seen that makes that point. Yeah. Um, but like, there's never a time when I was watching a scene and something being said resonated with me on any real level. 
Like no. I was just kind of hearing sentences and going, yeah, I vaguely know what's being said. And like Tom Cruise would just be monologuing about what's going on or some political opinion. And like I'd switch off because it's just like, I, I don't care. And it has no impact on the story because yeah. you are just telling somebody else what your political situation is. There's no and emotional stakes to it at all. There's, there's a sequence between um, Meryl Streep and Tom Cruise where they're having like a debate and it shows how bad some of the dialogue is that like Tom Cruise will say something and Meryl Streep will come back with a, like a retort that doesn't really have anything to do with the conversation they're having. And then Tom Cruise will retort, you know, come back with a retort against that, that again, doesn't really have anything. It's almost on the level of wordplay. Yeah. It's like, this isn't how a journalist works, that she's here to try to get answers. And she's basically just having a like jokey standoff. That means nothing. Yeah, and it's just exactly. to be smart dialogue, but it's not smart. I, I I want it to be very clear that I don't think either of us are saying that this movie is is bad because it's just conversations or because no. there's no action or whatever. Like I'm fully happy to watch movies that are just two people talking with one another. It's just it's so poorly written, and everything about it is so everything they're saying is so hollow. Um, yeah. there's there's just sort of like nothing behind it. And it reminds me of a movie that I really, really like that does a similar thing to this, but does it so well. Have you seen Good Night and Good Luck? No. It's directed by George Clooney, so it's another example of an actor turning to director. And it's uh, about the broadcast journalist, Edward R. Murrow, um, and his series of broadcasts that actually happened aimed to bring down Senator McCarthy when he was on his witch hunt for communists in in America. Um, and it is, it's just a series of conversations, but there's a lot of emotional truth behind those conversations, and they're really well-written conversations. And it's got a great cast. It stars David Strathairn, uh, George Clooney, Jeff Daniels, Robert Downey Jr., um, it's really worth watching. It's all shot in black and white to mirror the tone of the fifties that it's that it's set in. Um, really recommend that movie for something that is like this. And then there's another movie that I was reminded of, uh, which is literally the bulk of it is just two people talking, which is Frost Nixon, uh, and that gets right. to the heart of political ideas in a way that is really interesting. And I actually really like Frost Nixon, so I don't want people to think that we're just being like, oh, it's not a Tom Cruise action movie, so it's not very good. Um, it's just no, I think, it's so weak. Well, so it's so if, weak. If you if you've got something to say, then the dialogue between the characters needs to be reflected by the themes of the film. Mm, yeah, and I don't think the film has any real theme. No, like the two two soldiers go <clears throat> on a mission. They they and they it goes wrong and they die. What, what, there's no theme to that except war is bad and people die. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is ultimately the the theme is that war is bad and people die. Um, but I, mean, I get that there's this, this they, they the theme that yeah. at least they're doing something. But then the same person saying apathy is wrong is the same person telling them don't go to war because you'll die. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a tricky one. It it tries to it, it's a like. It is at once very on the nose about what it wants to say and also very confused about what it wants to say, which just led to complete cognitive dissonance for me. Uh, Like, it just would not hold my interest at all, except for Andrew Garfield, I think, comes out really well of this. He's a really good actor, and he's really good in this, actually, I think. Better than the three legendary actors that are in it alongside him. That's fair. I mean, I've not got anything more to say about it, Tom. <laughs> no, not really. No, nah, cool. So I've, I've I mean, given I'll go through. <laughs> I'm just scrolling. I'm actually, I genuinely managed to make some notes. Oh, uh, well done. Which, m- most of which is just me going, I give up. I can't. I don't know what I'm... <laughs> It'd be something like, flashback, Michael Penner and friend are attending a lecture presented by Redford. So and it, then doesn't yeah, seem to be any notes after that. For so a while. It, it tries to it kind of like leaves the information that the people on the militaristic on, on the military mission are um the former students of Robert Redford's character. It kind of try, tries to leave that as a little bit of a twist. But I wasn't that yeah. you know, I wasn't that emotionally invested in, in anything at that point. No. Uh, I'll tell you, there's that shot right at the end of Meryl Streep in a taxi who drives past a memorial 
then the White House, yeah. and then military graves. Yes, I, yeah. That shows the subtlety of this film. Incredible. Uh, I could not yeah. believe my eyes when they did that. Um, crazy. I mean, it changed my opinion on War Forever, Adam. I was well up for it before that. Did it? Now I'm just like, oh. Yeah, that one I, shot. I hate war, and I, I hate apathy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm really pro being active unless it involves signing up for the military. One thing that did make me laugh is that, like, Andrew Garfield's character is kind of, like, left with a choice of, like, whether or not to continue with political science and whether or not he needs to, like, step up and be a man. And, like, you know, he sees... He's he's watching... The, the the last moments of the movie are him watching the news and it being a report on a celebrity that's done something and then along the bottom in the little trawl that you get on 24-hour news sites it's it, it's the news that those two soldiers that we've seen throughout the movie have died and it and it leaves him you don't know his decision uh it leaves him with a choice and you're like oh i wonder what wonder what he's going to do but the movie has spent so long ramming home it's one point that you're in, you're in no like. Why does it take in that last thirty seconds for them to like put any intrigue into the movie at all? Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's, and there's still like, as we've said before, there's like this, this disconnect because like, sure, okay, he might not be as apathetic going forwards, but what does that really have to do with military strategy dictated by a, a Republican senator? I know, like, he well, might because become he's a, a the, he's the lamb, isn't he? He's the like. The uh, he is the smarmy Republican senator that Meryl Streep's character has previously yeah. said is the future of the Republican Party or whatever. Um, you know, I yeah, I it's yeah, it's all there. It's just not very like artfully or interestingly done. It you could argue that attention. he because if he doesn't have the apathy, he will go on to have some sort of like political career or activist career and therefore dictate change in a better way than what is being you know right that's the idea yeah but but it's not really very connected i mean i mean i i i I think it kind of is uh but i like the other thing is it's like i'm completely on board with that message (laughs) like i think you know we we do need more like honesty in in politics and this is an incredibly left-leaning film and I'm an incredibly left-leaning person, so I should be on board. It's just boring. It's just, like the the, yeah. the most frustrating thing about the movie is not a confused message. It's not, um, you know, potential dialogue problems. It's not whether or not the themes wrap up at the end. It's just it's fucking boring. Um, yeah. I'm I, yeah. I'm done. It barely qualifies as a film. It should have just been a political essay uh, or a series of political essays. Uh, 1.5 out of 5 Cruiseness 3 out of 10 Barely present It was nice to see his teeth Would I recommend it? No Adam, shall I go through mine? Then? Yeah, go on then, mate Alright Film rating 1.5 stars Sure Cruiseness rating 3 out of 10 Lovely Would I recommend it? No Good stuff Perfect twinning uh, We talked last week About Paramount Separating from uh, Cruise And them Taking over United Artists Right This is their Following f- this film Did United Artists Separate from Cruise well, I, This is the thing This is their first production Under that Under that banner So we'll see how it How it goes From here I won't give any spoilers In terms of context But What a weird decision To make this the big relaunch of United Artists, you know? Yeah, it's um, odd. Yeah, odd decision. Odd decision in a series of increasingly odd decisions from Tom Cruise. You know, I, d- I don't know if you've been getting the sense yeah. over the last few episodes, but his career is taking a little bit of a downturn here. Well, he sort of shot himself in the foot, maybe not financially, but sociologically speaking um yeah with the whole war of the worlds yeah shenanigans and it did seem to hurt mission impossible 3 uh and then yeah. this can't have helped <laughs> <No>. <laughs> to release you know a, a movie this boring and i think that's why he ultimately makes the decision he makes for the next film uh 
which we will get to next week. Before we wrap up, though, it's obviously time for our long-running game. Only one of us is allowed to look at the IMDb trivia page for each movie, and this week it's me. I'm going to present Tom with three pieces of trivia. Only one of them is one I've made up, and he'll have to discern which one that is in two crews and a lie. Okay, so... I really thought I had you last week. Uh... Obviously, I was devastated to find out that I now owe you £655,360. Um, yep. D- 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 double, double, double or nothing on this one? Double or nothing? I mean, I see. I don't see why not. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to give you three facts, and you're going to tell me which one of them is the lie. Here we go. Taken from the IMDb okay. trivia page. Incidentally... Only about eight pieces of trivia on the IMDb trivia page for this one. <laughs> I haven't looked, obviously, but I can't imagine there's it's much. It's not loads. It's not loads. In an interview with Variety magazine, Tom Cruise said he made the film out of deep respect for Robert Redford's body of work, which he said had inspired him since Ordinary People in 1980. Okay. Maybe I've changed a little Could detail. Be. Maybe I've changed a little detail, Tom. Good, yeah, Number good two. Good the photo that Meryl Streep observes in Senator Irving's office wall of him dressed as a young cadet is a still photo from Tom Cruise's role in Taps. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Number three, I will watch this film again. <laughs> Which one do you think's the lie? Mm. Which one do you think is the lie, Tom? You know, there, there was a tiny moment with number two where I was like, I didn't notice that. I would have, I would have noticed that, and I didn't. <laughs> He's got quite an, an arresting look in taps. I think I would have remembered. But, um, thing is, though, if I go with number three and then you ever watch it, then we've just got three truths. I, I pro- okay, I don't want to give the game away. I promise that won't happen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Just to put us both out of our misery, it, yeah, it's number three. I yeah, think. it is. It is. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty actually pretty obvious that one. But maybe I, I'm, what yeah. I'm doing is I'm luring you in. I'm luring you in, yeah. and then next week I'm gonna be hot on whichever one you've just changed one small detail so, of. Adam, how much do you owe me now? One million three hundred ten thousand seven hundred and twenty pounds. <laughs> Good, but don't worry, Adam. Like we're heading right into a recession. So by the time we finish this series, it'll probably be worth about 13 quid. Well, I think if we do double or nothing next next episode, I'm pretty sure I can wipe the slate clean and not owe you yeah. £2,621,440. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what's going on. We'll see. And of course, that is when and where we play Two Crews and a Lie. All right. Okay, let's bring it home. Have we have we done an hour? Uh, we've got we've got twenty five seconds till we've done an hour. Well, actually, I don't know. I we faffed about, we faffed at, the about at the beginning. We? Yeah, the recording time is at just under an hour. So I mean, oh, really, we should do an hour. I think to make it worth what? listening to. Adam, would you like to know what the you might you may know this, you may not what the tagline for this this film is? And I think if you if you know the tagline, you can expect the quality of the film. Uh yeah, go on then. If you don't stand for something, you might fall for anything. What does that mean? I don't. I don't really. I don't really know what that don't means. Know. Uh, I think we've probably got about a minute and a half until we've hit an hour. Um, do you? Are you want... going to go see anything in the cinema? Probably not. No. Do you? Do you want to Good. count to sixty once, and then I'll do the outro bit. Okay. Go on then. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six. 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 
Thank you so much for listening. Uh, come and let us know what you think of the movie Lions for Lambs. I think it will have its fans out there. I think some people will like it. Come and let us know what you think of the movie on Twitter and Instagram at Cruise Views Pod. Uh, you can email us in something a little bit longer if you want. And I will eventually have some time to read emails. I could have writ- written one out instead of having Tom count it to 60. But I didn't. Email us out. Email us at cruiseviewspodcast at gmail.com. And also come and find us on Letterboxd, Adam Glassball and Tom Ashford. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to watch Tropic Thunder before next week's episode. This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds. Thank you.